This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I feel like today, do you ever feel like your your stomach's going to physically explode? Yes, and like your, scr- your skin is screaming at you. Yeah. I, funnily enough, I put it on social media. You know, it's a bit of a joke. And someone said to me, Amy, I don't think anyone's actually ever exploded from pregnancy. No, okay, thank you. <laughs> Noting, just in case it was severe and you genuinely thought possible. But that is social media, isn't it? Obviously, I put it on as a sort of, you know, tongue-in-cheek, like, oh, I think I'm going to explode. And someone was like, uh, Google it. No one's ever exploded. No, I didn't think it was going to physically, like, explode. But thank you. Thank you for clearing that up. Oh, goodness It's just basic science, Amy. Get to know, yeah? A little bit. I've also, I'm sorry if I sound a bit nasally... I'd like to sound nice, but I've got a grotty cold. Which Can we just talk about colds in pregnancy are brutal because you can't take anything uh-uh. apart from paracetamol, which does nothing. I want my day nurse. Like, you wouldn't believe. I'm like, an, some, like desperately craving the, the day and night nurse drugs. Um, just convince I've, uh, Kenny. I've genuine, and this, I hope he doesn't listen because I want to share this, but he listens. I've genuinely told Christian, my fiance, the like headaches and sinus problems and colds, which I've had a lot of. I've gen- I've said full body massages are proven to help, <laughs> <laughs> and that okay. sucker believes me. That's genius. Why have I not thought of this? Do you know, people. I've done everything. I've done the sinus washes. I've got the decongestion balm. You know, Vicks vapor or whatever. I've, I've, I've tried everything. But some people suggested to me putting Vicks vapor rub on your feet. Yes. When you go to bed. And I was like, okay, so I tried it the first night and I thought, that's not worked. Maybe I didn't put enough on. Did it another night. That's done nothing. Are people having me on? <laughs> I just want me to go to bed with really sweaty feet. Have you put socks over the top? No, gross. That's what you're meant to do, apparently. I've never done it, but you put it on the soles of your feet, then put a socky on top. Oh, right. so you've just had Vicky feet in your Yeah, bed. smelly Vicky sweaty feet Amy. in my bed. It's just made me even more uncomfortable. So, oh. oh, good Lord. Goodness me. Anyway, sorry about that. Uh, welcome to Two New Mums, sponsored by The Baby Show. We're also their official podcast partner for their next live event at Excel in London. Not long now, 4th to the 6th of March. Um, it's going to be brilliant. I really need this because it is the nation's largest shopping destination for all things baby. And so far, I've only bought a stuffed giraffe and a baby grow. Oh my gosh. Um, 
Uh, tickets are on sale now if, like, Amy, you need <laughs> all that help. Thebabyshow.co.uk slash Excel. But we still have a very exclusive discounted offer just for you. You can find this on our website. It's twonewmums.co.uk or go to our Instagram, which is podcast. Give us a follow, please. Uh, we also had 100 tickets to give away. Now, we did this the other day. There may be some left. It's definitely worth checking because they're free. Um, yeah. So go to our Instagram, Tunamums Podcast, and check. But if you've just missed out, like like we say, discounted tickets also available on our website. Exactly. Terms and conditions apply. If you're listening after the 3rd of March, though, 2022, this no longer applies, I'm afraid. You've had it. You've had it. You had your chance. <laughs> We've told you. Um, so we're two new podcasters. We fell pregnant two days apart. We haven't got a clue. So whether you're on your fertility journey, maybe you're currently pregnant like us, you're undecided about kids, or if you've been there, done that, you are in the right place. Now, we need to change this up this week, I think. I'm Amy Vose. And I'm Jenny Longdon. Just makes more sense, doesn't it? Just, that's what everyone else on this planet would do yeah. to introduce themselves. Let's I think stick so. With, yeah. We were just making life harder for ourselves. We just <laughs> didn't like saying our own names, but, you know, this happened. We had to grow up because we're now going to yeah. be mums. We need to be better at introducing ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely. Um... So this episode, we wanted to talk about anxiety and stress in pregnancy, um, because I, th- I think it's a bit of a, uh, what is it? Um, I can't think of the word, but it's like the more you worry about it, the more you worry about it, if that makes sense. Yes. So I think, I know I've said before, you know, I have actually found I was more anxious when I was trying to get pregnant and pregnancy's had a calming effect on me. However, I have had a couple of incidents which have really stressed me out. And then I've been really worried about what effect that's had on the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, really awful thing. Like a dog went for Peggy, my little dog in the park the other week. And it was that, you know, that fight or flight stress thing yep. where your body, like this dog was attacking Peggy and I legged it over. And, and I was so worried after the adrenaline surge and that just hideous feeling. Um, I just really worried about what it, the effect it had on my baby. And I spoke to some people and they were like, oh, you'll probably be okay. But you do, you do worry. And you, whether it's that, it's that kind of immediate stress or the low level anxiety that's permanently there. Or maybe you decide to be pregnant and move house at the same time, which is quite <laughs> stressful, isn't it, Jenny? We both did that, didn't we? Not only did we fall well, pregnant. Well, no, I, I wasn't pregnant when I moved house though, but it was, oh. it was when I was trying, it was just before and that was the most stressed I've been. I, the most stressed I was last year was the month before I got pregnant. Wow. Which makes no sense because they say the whole, you know, when you're trying, try not to be stressed. And oh my goodness, I was, it was awful. And then a month later I was pregnant. So it's, I don't know. The science yeah. makes no sense there. It, it really doesn't. Maybe it's because your mind was on something else. I don't know. I have no mm. idea. But yeah, the most stressful thing ever. We, gosh, how pregnant was I when we were moving? probably like 16 15 16 weeks so like physically feeling better but oh my gosh the stress that the people we were buying off lovely they made it really simple it was really easy but the people that were buying my house oh my goodness this is gonna make you feel physically sick like the day before we moved he messaged me because he had me on instagram i'm the idiot that gave out my instagram don't do that and he said can we come around tonight and check some things? And I'm like, it's moving day tomorrow. 
so is this just before you've completed as well yeah so like the, so the completion right, yeah. he, he was meant to complete oh this day God. this is the day before and he's like i'm not going to sign and complete until i've checked a few things and i'm like it's moving day tomorrow there's a whole chain above you of families come on what could you possibly want to check he wanted to check the boiler the radiators the fireplaces everything and I just said, no, and I was like, no, the house is in disarray. We are moving tomorrow. We've hired a van. They're not cheap. Like, yeah. It, and I was You've like, paid you paid for a- your surveys. You've done everything. Yes. Like, that's madness. You absolutely can't come tomorrow. No. And I was saying, I'm pregnant. No, you're not. I was really throwing that around as much as I could. Good. And yeah. so he was like, right, well, I'm not going to complete. So that would have <gasps> be- meant me and Christian and then three other people above us that just wouldn't have been able to move because of this guy so I was like fine he's going to have to come round and the house was upside down and he was asking a million questions and then so how were you when he came round because I think I would want to um, just grab a baseball bat and uh, I lose it I took the dogs for a walk while Christian dealt with him because I was like if I see him I'm going mm. to explode. And like you say, the stress was building up and I was panicking for the baby. Like yeah. I, I could feel this could be it's affecting me so badly. You think it's got to be affecting them. So I had to take myself away from it. He did the viewing, everything fine. Christian's like all sorted, all good. Then he texts me and says, yeah, we're not going to sign unless you send us 300 pounds for this, this, this and this that he just pulled out of nowhere. I had no choice. He held me to ransom for 300 pounds. I had no choice but to pay it for I no reason. Guy, uh, I doubt he'll be listening, but it, well, just in case he is. You're a bellend. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'd use a stronger word, but I'm trying to be polite. But I... Like to a pregnant woman as well. I mean, what are you thinking? I know. I it think was people oh shocking. It was absolutely shocking. And cuz I'd sold through a cheap seller, I had to in person give him the keys the next day and smile and say, "There's your keys." Um, oh. I didn't remove the dog hair from the house though, so there's that, which felt. You good. could have um, you could have sewed some like dead fish into the curtains or into like the floorboards <laughs> or something. That's what you should have done. Yeah. I t- honestly, Jenny, I don't. Going through a move, because they're always stressful. I mean, it's so rare that you don't have a stressful scenario. I don't know how you did that moving. Physically as well, because mm. surely you you can't lift boxes. You can't do stuff. That's That was But a lot of people good. do seem to... Well, that's true, actually. You have got, <laughs> you have got that, actually. Yeah. yeah, I didn't think of it like that. That I will say. It was like... Yeah. Oh, I would. Could you just get this? I would if I could. Yeah. But I know course. you don't want me to. And obviously I wouldn't at all. But, you know, if I could, I would help. And you just get to sit down and drink tea and have biscuits. That is a very good point. So there are some perks. But it is horrible because you just feel, you know you don't want to be getting stressed because you know it's not good on your body and your baby. Mm-hmm. But it just builds up. And I think it's worse as well because you are pregnant. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's horrible. But look, luckily, you, you're in now. It's all good. It's coming along. And this is another <laughs> thing, though, because then you're like, you've got to get the house ready. I love oh. those people that say, don't worry about the nursery. Like, they're not going to be in it for ages. Like you said a couple of weeks ago, they're a baby. They don't know what's in their nursery. Like, mm. we should, I, I'll share on our Instagram 
what my nursery looks like at the moment. It might make other pregnant people feel better, actually, because you do feel like, oh, I've got to nest. And apparently, like, pregnant women like to nest. I can't be bothered to nest. That uh, that hasn't happened to me. Really? See, I feel like I've been nesting for about 10 years. I'm always trying to <laughs> renovate and paint and change things. So I am on turbo at the moment. And... um yeah, I've been doing... I mean, my, I'm not going all out on a nursery. I don't know, maybe nearer the time. But yeah, just don't... You want to take that pressure off, but it is hard because, of course, you want everything to be ready. That's, yeah. you know, and that's another thing that just adds to it. You know, like they say, if you're, like, bickering with your partner a lot or stuff like that, and obviously that's going to cause stress. They always say, like, choose your battles. I feel like in pregnancy, you that's a great thing to click. Choose your battles. Yeah. Does this yeah. need to be done? Does this need to consume my energy and my stress? Does this mm. need to be an issue? I mean, Chris has got away with murder because I'm like, choose your battles, Jenny. <laughs> totally. <laughs> It's so true. Yeah, you really have got to be careful. Well, look, we've got an expert on today, um, Rachel Fitz D, who is a leading um, internationally known baby and parenting expert. I mean, she's got four kids herself. Wow. So she knows she knows what she's doing. Um, she's absolutely wonderful. And we had a lot of questions from you about anxiety and pregnancy, postpartum anxiety, when you're trying to get pregnant. And she is brilliant so hopefully we've covered everything off for you so if we take some deep breaths and maybe have a herbal tea (sighs) so please welcome to two new mums rachel fitz d who is a leading and internationally known baby and parenting expert which is exactly what we need hello rachel thank you for joining us hi Thank you so much for coming on. I feel like this is going to be invaluable for both Amy and I and all our listeners as well. I'm really looking forward to it. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So um, anxiety is something we've we've sort of uh, touched on a little bit. And I know, Jenny, it's something that you wanted to specifically talk about as well. And we've had a lot of questions, which I'm sure you'll be able to help us with. But it's a really big part of pregnancy isn't it obviously with everything your hormonal changes and everything like that there is a lot going on yes do you know it's it's interesting that you touch on the fact about um hormones because don't you think for so many years when women talk about their hormones it's always been a bit of a jokey thing you know women and their hormones um and yet hormones are unbelievably powerful if you just think about if we have oh, I don't know, a door could slam and we jump out of our skins, our adrenaline level goes up like an instant, Mm. in a second and our heart races and we start to feel that sort of panic rising, we're looking for what's going on. That happens in a nanosecond and everybody understands that. And yet when it comes to women's hormones, I think we often really underestimate as a society just how powerful their effects can be and how real their effects can be for so many years you know when I was uh, working as a midwife I'd come across people who thought that women were maybe sort of just putting on a bit malingering uh, and hormones they're just they're unbelievably powerful and they have these wide-ranging impacts yeah yeah well our first question is actually uh, from Rachel who's trying for a baby and she says that um one of her worries is that all of her friends when they were pregnant struggled with anxiety and she's asking why is it and she's saying is it hormones are hormones to blame I think there's a number of things in all honesty I think it is not one thing so certainly uh hormones play a massive part and I often think of it as 
kind of like a mum alarm. If from an evolutionary point of view, it's really essential that when we are pregnant and carrying a baby and then when we are a new mum, that we should be on alert for things that could harm us or harm our baby, that we should really have, I say, this little mum alarm ticking over. The, the problem is, of course, is that we never turn the damn thing off. So our mum alarm sort of gets switched on and you know that your mums will still worry about you. Even when you're grown up, even when you've left home, your mum still worries about you in a way that nobody else really does. So there is no doubt uh, a hormonal, biological, physiological, ancient, evolutionary factor to this. But then on top of that, of course, there's all the other sort of worries that come along. What does it mean for my job? What does it mean for my income? What does it mean for my relationship? Will I be the sort of mum that I thought I was going to be? In the last couple of years, there's also been the worry about coronavirus going around you that has brought undoubted new anxieties for mums and we know that that has had a big impact on the the emotional mental well-being of pregnant women and new mums so there's a lot going on I tell you one thing I can remember and I think this is a really really common experience I was I was so broody I mean genuinely I think I've been broody since the age of about three and from the age of six I knew that I wanted to go into this three and um, I finished all my training and as soon as I had I finished my training then I got married and I, I was very fortunate in that uh, we thought we'd give ourselves a year to get pregnant and I was pregnant within a month uh-huh. and I can remember you know you pee on that stick don't you you know you go and you get a little stick from the pharmacy and you pee on it and of course it's hormones that change to give you that little sort of window with when I did mine, it was a little blue line. And so I went and peed on the stick. And a couple of minutes later, I came staggering out the toilet to my husband. And we both looked at that stick. And in a split second, I had a feeling of, wow, look what we've done. And then a second later, wow, oh dear, look what we've done. Immediately, that duality of wow and oh my word, And those two sort of live as little train tracks, don't you think, all the time then? This is amazing, and oh, I'm so frightened. And we have to hold those two feelings all the way through. It's it's hard, it's tiring. So for me, with with my anxiety, it, it generally comes at a time when things are good. So, for example, when I found out I was pregnant, I was over the moon... And with my fiance, things feel great and you're in this happy little bubble. And that's when, for me, it creeps in. It's like when everything's going really right, my brain says something has to go wrong now. This doesn't happen for you in your life. And so it's really hard because I find it really hard to enjoy the highs because I actually, my brain doesn't allow that. That must be quite common. Well, and I think it's fundamental to how the human brain works as well on a sort of decreased scale. And I think sometimes, you know, we get like an overstrength and that can come out as sort of mental and wellness sometimes. So the way that the human brain works is not to keep us in a permanent state of happy, happy, but actually not to keep us in a permanent state of everything's terrible. We swing and uh, that's how we learn from our mistakes. You know, we you, you often find that When you talk to children about their memories, often their first memory will actually be a difficult one. 
that that's a sort of paradox you think you want them to have a happy memory as their first memory but often children their first memory is a difficult one and that is because of course we learn from our mistakes we learn from our different difficult experiences and then things get better and we get that lovely little happy dopamine hit but we can't sustain that we have to then go down again and I think then we can kind of hang on to those sensations oh here comes another dip mm. you know I'm happy for the moment this can't last or sometimes that feeling of yeah it's just I'm having it too good. I can remember that very much after my fourth one, actually. And um, and again, this is something I know is really, really common from all my work as a midwife in that he was born with... I, I'd always thought that I would either have four or six. Somebody once said to my husband, what possessed you to agree to four children? And he said, well, if you were given the choice of four or six, which would you choose? <laughs> so I went for my fourth, had my fourth, and he was born... A bit like Chandler Bing out of Friends with an extra nipple. And cute, really, really cute. And actually the midwife who delivered him also had an extra nipple, she told me. Oh. But I looked at him and just like you, Jenny, one of my first thoughts was, oh, that was a close call. I've been lucky this time. Mm. It was just an extra nipple. I mustn't push my luck. Mm -hmm. And I think that's quite a human feeling of, oh, I've got pregnant so easily. I don't want to push my luck. Or I've had two well children. Am I pushing my luck if I have a third? I think that's a really human feeling that we're testing our luck, that we're pushing it, that our luck can't last. And then that can spiral out of control into anxiety I think I think it's really interesting how you say as well you know you get these feelings and these certain hormones for a reason it's it's you know an evolutionary thing I suppose isn't it and it's how you work with them and I realized that with my monthly cycles used to be hormonally horrendous and it took me a really long time to get on top of you know why am I so spiky this week why am I awful why do I hate everything and then a few days later oh I feel great and it took so long to learn how to work with that and I mean, throughout this pregnancy, yes. to be honest, it's been it's been better for me. I don't know. I think because it was quite hard for me to get to this point. Now I'm here. I've felt calm. So it's almost like it's released a different hormone in me that's finally like almost a relief, I think. Yeah. Yes. Your hormones change as you go through pregnancy as well. And you often go through a stage of pregnancy when the hormones do make you feel more relaxed. You know, that they have a calming influence and then they change again as you get towards the end of pregnancy. And then your sleep starts to change massively in that last trimester before you have your baby. Everyone thinks it's just because they're getting hefty and they need to pee so much. Mm. But of course, it isn't that at all. Your body is preparing you for a new type of sleep that you must have as a new mum. You know, your, your sleep must change to protect your deep sleep, to protect your health and well-being when you've got a new baby that, after all, is going to be sleeping all over the place, frankly. But yeah, our hormones do change. And it's interesting what you say, Amy, about um, getting used to that cycle, because I really feel quite strongly that, that if we could just wrestle a little less with how we've evolved to be, just wrestle it a little less, then we could relax into ourselves a little bit bit more and accept these natural human fluctuations and not see them always as 
a bad thing, as a pathology. But if we can embrace that a little bit more and think, oh, this is this is a phase. It's showing that my body's healthy. It's showing that my body's beautifully evolved to do what women do so beautifully. And I can go with it rather than trying to wrestle it and mend it and shape it and bash it into something that it can't possibly be. Then I think that life is a little bit, a little <laughs> bit smoother. Well, I'm glad you just said that about the sleeping as well, because as, as calm as I have been feeling in the last two weeks, I've started having anxiety dreams about arriving at the hospital and not knowing what's happening and not being prepared. And that, and, and also I, I wake up, I think I wake up hourly now. Um, and one, it's part, yes. you know, and I worry that I'm, I'm sleeping on my back. <gasps> You're not allowed to sleep on your back. I've got to be on my left side or my right side. And that wasn't happening before. And now I feel like, and like you say, it's preparing you and it's, it's, probably yeah I should have a better birth plan or I should you know that's your body telling you isn't it it really is it's fascinating the way um that our bodies work our bodies do work and our bodies do sleep differently as women than men and when we are pregnant women or we are mums our bodies are beautifully evolved to sleep in a very very different way than google tells us that the books tell us that every time you turn on the TV or the radio, I'm hearing about how we should sleep and how many hours we should get. But it takes no, it takes no um, account at all of the quality of sleep. You know, if we're having very broken sleep, but the moments that we are asleep are very, very high quality, which is what happens with new mums. Our sleep is incredibly fragmented, but we protect through evolution, happy days, the very deep part of our sleep. And interesting that you're starting to get these very vivid dreams because when we've had our babies, if we feed our babies, our hormones stay in an altered state so that our sleep is beautifully protected. And as a breastfeeding mum, we only experience the very deepest type of sleep. So we know that if you do sleep studies on a woman who is a feeding mum in bed with her partner and you monitor their sleep at the end of the night, even if the mum has got up numerous, numerous times with her baby and her partner has slept through, we know that if you look at the sleep patterns the next morning, the mum will have achieved more deep sleep than her partner, even if she sends her partner into a spare room, so we know he's sleeping all night, the woman will have achieved more deep sleep. But of course, we're sold this myth that we have to sleep in a certain way, and so we all panic. How am I gonna cope? How on earth am I gonna cope? And then our bloke says, oh, I was woken last night by the baby, and you think, you were woken? <laughs> no, I was woken 15 times. But we discover that actually we do cope better than them, because we're beautifully, beautifully evolved for it. And what happens, Amy, is that in that deep, deep hormonal sleep, because we don't normally dream in deep sleep, we dream in REM sleep, because we must sleep for our mental health and our physical well-being and growth, our breastfeeding hormones make us dream in deep sleep. So you're having these vivid dreams now, and that's very hormonal, but when you've had your baby... If you feed your baby, the dreams you have in your sleep are really, really vivid and quite unusual. And again, 
if we can stop fighting the fact that we're sleeping differently and accept that we are highly evolved over millions of years for this amazing job, then we can relax into this astonishing way of being with our babies. When we wake up, we can enjoy our presence with our babies and those silent sort of almost secretive moments that we have with our babies when the rest of the world is asleep. Oh, such a lovely and, way of looking at really it. Enjoy it. I think that really helps because I've, I've had insomnia my whole life and I've always been, you know, your parents like, you have to have eight hours and you must go to sleep at this time. And, and I've always been told from experts and stuff, you know, if you can't sleep, get up. You know, laying in yeah. bed's not going to help you. Your mind's going to race. Get up. And then when you do sleep, yeah. you'll have better quality of sleep. And you're so right. When you take yes. that pressure off yourself that only we're putting on ourselves, it makes our lives easier. Oh, yeah, so much. I, like you, Jenny, I have, um, I'm what's called an extreme night owl. So um, I will often be working very late at night. But I, like you, Jenny, I wake fully, really fully and very engaged with the world. And now that I've stopped seeing myself as broken, and see it as something delightful, I quite enjoy it. And we, you know, we were talking about puppies before we started and my puppy got me up at three o'clock this morning and I realized that I was wide awake. I was in a wake, really wide awake phase and we went down into the garden and it was, it was rather lovely, Jenny. Yes. Nice. I always think that about the middle of the night because it's uh, it's a special time and it, I know no one's going to bother yes. me on my phone. I don't have to check my phone. I don't have to check my emails. It's like a special yeah. little twilight and I love it. And I really hope yes. I feel like that with the night feeds and the baby. <laughs> if you allow it, if you don't listen to Google and everything else that tells you that you're broken, that your baby is broken, that you've got to somehow mend your baby. And of course, our babies are perfect at being babies. Our babies can't actually be wrong at being babies. And our job is not to teach a baby how to be a baby, but to watch our baby and our baby will show us how to be a mum. And if we kind of relax into it, then we really can. And a lot of my mums in my community tell me that they've started enjoying those nighttime awakenings. When it, you know, it's a bit, I, I sometimes feel when I wake up at sort of three o'clock in the morning and nobody else is awake, it's a bit like Christmas. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, Jenny and I have both, both um, radio breakfast shows. I did one for 15 years and I still do a weekend breakfast show now. And sometimes I wake up at that, you know, that 4am and I walk outside and go get in the car and like, you'll see the moon and it is, you just think no one else has seen this. You know, everyone else is fast asleep. They're missing the best bits mm. or you'll see an amazing sunrise. So, you know, yes. I, I think that's quite, yes. quite good for us actually, because we're having babies as we go into spring and summer. So we will get to enjoy that. And I think it's yes. such an amazing way of looking at it. And I think that will transform for so many people if you just get your head around it. Yes, and, and see, stop seeing your baby as something broken that you have to fix. Or your body as something broken that you have to fix. We're so beautifully evolved for this. We are really safe and we can just relax and yeah, enjoy the journey. And parenting is a journey, isn't it? You know, it's never done. It's never sorted for good. And we can sort of go with the flow and enjoy the changes that naturally develop. You know, whether we do something or nothing, babies grow and change and develop and grow into toddlers and grow into older children and grow into teenagers. <laughs> so you can, you can wrestle with it as much as you like, but that is how it's going to be. And sometimes we can just enjoy 
enjoy this amazing journey that we're on really gosh i already feel calmer you know we've not even got to our listener questions yet but i feel yeah. better about <laughs> the night because that's what everyone says to you is oh get it's your sleep. sleep now while you can oh you'll never sleep and me and amy are sick of hearing that yes it's a very odd model that we have of the world and you know dare i say it um most of these sort of studies that we we look at are done not on pregnant and uh pregnant women and mums they're they're done on predominantly men and the sort of male model um and yet we know that women in particular their their sleep changes all the time and you know if you think about when we finished having our babies and then you slowly move toward your later years and towards your perimenopause and then your menopause and everybody knows that in that big hormonal change women's sleep changes again and they're not broken they're just on a different phase of life's interesting journey toddlers sleep differently from school-age children and school-age children sleep very very differently from teenagers why do we need to see sleep as just one thing one shape one model when we're always developing aren't we we're always always in this state of amazing change and journey and development you know i think it's a much nicer way to see yeah our lives as just a just changing journey that we're on and we can go with it rather than as i say this constant fight mm. that we're expected to put up really to cure everything um one of the questions from april she says should i remain on my anti-anxiety medication when trying to get pregnant and does having anxiety or low mood make you more susceptible to postpartum depression Oh, April, that is a, such a great question. First things first, when it comes to medication, you should never, ever stop any antidepressants or anxiety medications without talking to your doctor. And virtually all medications now for depression and anxiety, depression, um, are safe to take in pregnancy. Sometimes you'll talk to your doctor and they'll want to alter your medication for one that is better in pregnancy, but you should never, ever stop your anxiety medications or medications that you're taking for depression uh, because that can be uh, really very unsafe um, and as far as you know about postnatal depression you're very wise to be alerted actually April because there is evidence that if you are prone to depression or anxiety uh, before having a baby, that you are in, in, at an increased risk of postnatal depression. There is no doubt about that. And again, when it comes to medications, virtually all medications that you take for depression or anxiety are completely safe in your milk, completely safe in your milk. So don't worry about that side of things. But you should always tell your midwife and or your GP if you're trying to get pregnant but when you are pregnant your midwife will ask about your mental health it's really important that you have an open and honest discussion with her because midwives are trained to understand about antenatal uh, anxiety and depression and its link with postnatal anxiety and depression and to make sure that the support is in place to keep you safe and well and we know that if support is put in place and women are on a good care and supportment plan that that can really reduce the likelihood of them having problems 
through the pregnancy and after the baby's born. Would that be a similar thing if, say, before being pregnant, you weren't on anything and then your anxiety got really bad during the pregnancy, so mid-pregnancy with no previous history of any medications, you could then go to your GP and say, is now a good time to start or is it just the hormones? Completely. Um, And your GP and midwife as a team are the best people to help you monitor your mental health and well-being and to help you understand actually what are quite normal fluctuations with pregnancy so very often around about the sort of 34 week mark women can feel very low hormonal changes in preparation for the birth coupled with changes that we've just been discussed and um, discussing with sleep their heaviness the discomfort we're often finishing work and that can bring about a lot of worry and questions about our place I suppose in the world and what it means for the future those can all come together to make just going into that last trimester quite a testing time and generally speaking with good rest with good support from our doctor and and midwife that passes it really does pass but our doctor and our midwife are the best people to help us keep an eye on ourselves to keep help us know how to monitor our mental health and well-being and to know when to step in and offer more support, counselling, medication, and they know that which medications are completely safe in pregnancy and after you've had your baby to go into your mum's milk. I, I had a friend who, she was offered counselling and did the, I imagine a lot of mums do this, I haven't got time, I've got a new baby, when will mm. I find the time to do that? And I, I imagine it's extremely important to find the time. It's essential to find the time. It can have such a big impact on those starting months with a new baby, which are hard enough as it is, you know, we're trying to get to know a little somebody. You know, the start of any relationship is both fascinating and stressful, isn't it? Relationships take time to sort of grow and get into our bones. Um, And during that time, uh, you know, we really do need to be looking after ourselves. So, you know, it's really essential that we do look after ourselves, that we're, we do tell our midwives and that we keep up with that counselling, that we go along to that counselling because if we don't, the long-term implications are that we may find it difficult to lift ourselves out of that depression. It can, we know that depression can carry on for months and even years if it isn't caught, properly treated, including, if necessary, medications. And certainly that little... Base for ourselves, for our talking therapies. And, you know, we've been talking about how we can embrace the changing journey that is being a woman and parenthood. And we were talking about how not to wrestle it, how our baby doesn't need mending. And one of the things that we can learn to do is to genuinely get on with our lives, but bring baby with us. And we really can have our counselling with a baby in our arms snuggled to us we really can go for a walk with that baby in a close carrier a sling or the push chair we really can sit and enjoy being snuggled up on the sofa watching netflix all evening uh, with our puppy by our side with our baby snuggled up safe and sound asleep on our chests you know we can get those little moments for ourselves that help our mental health and well-being and it is essential essential that we do 
Yeah, I I heard a really nice sort of analogy for anxiety and it's like some a little thing that lives in your head and it wants to stay there. Yes. So things that will help it disappear, like you say, going for a walk with your baby, getting some fresh air, getting some sunshine, stuff like that. It says, don't do that. Stay on the sofa, stay in with the curtains closed because it wants to live in your head forever. And so I think that's really important to hear, isn't it? That, you know, more so than ever when you, you're looking after yourself and the baby, you've got to do those things for yourself and not listen to that little voice. <laughs> yes, and my experience is that anyone that has ever experienced any form of mental unwellness, and that does include myself as well, that we retain forever a sense of what that feels like as we're walking towards it. Does that make sense, Jenny? Do you know what I yeah. mean? For me, I see it as a little me, that anxious or ill me up on a hill, and I see it as a me on a hill in the distance, but sometimes I can feel myself walking towards that hill. Mm -hmm. I can see her coming closer. And I know then that I've got to take care of myself. I can feel it coming in the distance. Does that make sense? Yes. And you can start to feel drawn towards her. Yep. That little poorly me, I can feel drawn towards her. And I didn't have that sense of my mental state being something that I could see until I'd been poorly for the first time. And now I know to keep my eye on that, I see as a little me actually, sort of little girl, my younger self on a hill. And I now keep an eye on her and keep an eye that she's okay. And if I see myself walking towards that poorly me, then I tell my husband, I say, can you keep an eye on me? Because I, I want to make sure that somebody is looking out for me because sometimes you can get too close to that person and then you've lost it. Yes. You, it's too late. Mm -hmm. Then you don't know you're poorly. And so I would say that if you know your mental unwellness and what it feels like and what it looks like, if ever you see yourself walking towards it, getting drawn in, tell someone, tell your partner, tell a close friend, tell your GP, Tell your midwife if you've got a midwife in your circle because somebody needs to watch with you because sometimes we we get we sort of get falling into that pit mm. and we've gone and it's too late and then you know we need somebody else to pull us out. So I would say always have somebody in your circle who is happy to look after you alongside yourself does that make sense Jenny is that kind of that's a really really nice way of putting it actually like you can I know exactly what you mean when you say that yeah it's a funny old feeling isn't it mm. well speaking of um coping mechanisms Jessica says I stopped taking CBD when I fell pregnant as I was unsure if it was safe to continue since coming off it my anxiety is so bad can I safely go back on to CBD whilst pregnant um there are um different types and so I would be saying I would definitely be going to my GP I'd be wanting to go have a good talk to my GP about my symptoms about what it is that I've been taking uh, and ask for their input that isn't something I would want to stop and start without a GP's input to know exactly what else I've been taking uh, in my medical history uh, and it's the same with any anxiety drugs and antidepressants as well, you know, not to just stop and start them at will. You know, this should all these medications, all these medications should always have medical oversight, whatever you're on, whether it's uh, anxiety meds, pain meds, 
um, some form of alternative medicines even, I would never ever be stopping and starting in pregnancy or after I've had a baby without a healthcare professional giving me some oversight. Because I guess that's like an, an alternative, isn't it? CBD is like a modern day alternative. And Amy and I, we've discussed loads in our previous podcast. We really believe in how you can like eat yourself well and nutrition and how that can help. Do you find that that's a, a great thing to consider if you if you start to struggle with anxiety? Just eating, Jenny. You know, as women, uh, you know that that sounds a ridiculous thing to say. Just eat, but we all know as women that we can go in and out of states where we get fearful of eating. And particularly if we're starting to put on weight and if eating has been a problem for us and putting on weight in the past, then pregnancy can be quite a trigger really for uh, our worries around food. And so just continuing to eat and eating well. And again, Something that is not talked about very much is how important complex carbohydrates are for women. And in pregnancy and after we've had babies, this is not a time to be doing a, a high-protein Atkins-type diet. Let all the blokes who are going to the gym do that. When they're pumping their iron, you'll let them eat all that protein. We really need complex carbohydrates. So your complex carbohydrates can really minimize your morning sickness because it can stabilize your blood sugar. And then all through pregnancy, um, did you know, for instance, that complex carbohydrates are the one food that the brain can use easily? So if you eat plenty of complex carbohydrates, you often feel better. So we all crave them, for goodness sake, when we're premenstrual. You know, we, I'll have my head in a bowl of pasta all day, every day, just for those complex carbohydrates. And if you are in the early stages of pregnancy and you are feeling sick, then complex carbohydrates on top of little bits of fast carbs. So for instance, keeping some full fat Ribena and some brown bread and butter by your bed overnight so that you're not starving. You're not letting your blood sugar drop overnight. Every time you wake up, you can have a little bit of Ribena and maybe some brown bread and butter or whatever carbs hit your spot. God, you've just made okay. me crave Ribena and so then... badly. <laughs> So good. I'm like, right, I need a Ribena immediately. Mine was, mine was Coke and bananas in all my pregnancies. Oh, so that was my craving. Full sugar cocoa, that's a oh, game changer. Mm. Coke and bananas. And again, it is that fast carb and full carb. Just to clear up, complex carbohydrates, is that your sort of whole grain, the sort of healthier, the, the brown rice, the brown bread? That's the, they're the ones that work really well with you, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. And they're the ones that give us the long burn energy. They help to stabilize our blood sugar and our blood sugar can be a little unsettled, a little erratic in that first trimester. And that's why our complex carbohydrates, sometimes, you know, we feel sick and the thing to do then is to have a little bit of fast carbohydrates and maybe suck some boiled sweets or have a bit of fruit if we can manage it. But the minute we've got our blood sugar up, you want to pack in some complex carbohydrates to then keep it ticking over. Allow yourself to get hungry and your, your sickness will get worse and worse and then you can't face foods. And then all through pregnancy, as you were saying, Jenny, making sure that you eat like a woman, just eat like a pregnant woman, <laughs> which is listen to your body. Eat well. In three good meals, a couple of healthy snacks every day, and carry that into when you've had your baby. Three good meals, 
to really good snacks every day. Looking, of course, those treats. Why wouldn't we have treats? But making sure that we are getting in those that brain food. It's quite amazing, I think, how your body in pregnancy tells you what you need. So I'm um, I'm vegan. But I have never craved milk more in my life. I just want milkshake. Really? And I want cake, but I want specifically the buttercream in the cake. And I think it's my body saying, we need more dairy in here. Like, I think it's the baby needing that. Well, Jenny, um, fellow vegan. um, So what I would say is that get your calcium from lots and lots of other areas. We don't need dairy calcium. There are lots of better ways to get our calcium, actually. So nut butters i would say nut butters are lovely brown bread with baked beans Mm. and a really good vegan cheese a lot of the vegan cheeses uh, have extra calcium added drink your fortified plant milks a lot of the soy milks have got vitamin b12 added and they have got vitamin d and extra calcium added and because remember that one of the big problems with dairy, dairy is great in all sorts of ways if you eat dairy. But you do have to be a bit careful, particularly in pregnancy. When you have your dairy, keep it away from your main meals because dairy binds with iron. And so it can deplete your iron stores. You have to be really careful to leave two hours between, for instance, a milky drink or cheese and your main meal of the day. Particularly, you know, if you're having broccoli, don't have broccoli with cheese sauce on it. Have your dairy treats if you want you know your dairy chocolate and your dairy cheese but have them as your snacks away from your main meals thank you is that is that it's interesting though is is that a thing is your body really craving dairy because i said to jenny the other day we had this discussion and the other day i had four bowls of cereal within the space of two hours and it was like the milk was something i couldn't it was compulsive it was only that one day, thankfully, but is it something your body is, is going, I, I want dairy or I want, you know, calcium? Um, it's, it seems to be, um, cravings are odd. So sometimes you get odd cravings, weird stuff, and that's called pica, P-I-C-A. And that's when people will say that they crave things like coal or eating soil. That's called pica. That, that is something very strange. But the regular cravings that women get are quite cultural, actually. So we're more likely to crave chocolate and dairy because there is this thing around you need dairy to make bones and this idea that women love chocolate so if they're quite cultural you go to other cultures and women will crave different things things that are more appropriate to their cultural diet um cravings are strange we don't know everything about them we know that they tend to come in the first trimester with all those hormonal changes because of course the early pregnancy hormone the HCG, the human chorionic gonadotrophin, is a hormone that is just present in large amounts in the early stages of pregnancy. And that's what gives us weird smells, weird tastes, puts us off coffee and tea and alcohol and the smell of cigarettes and the smell of fuel, you know, petrol. Mm. That is to protect us from having bad stuff in pregnancy. That's when the cravings start. They often keep going and pick up a little bit in the second trimester but often they ease a little bit they, they're not quite so immediate in that last trimester one of the questions from uh, mrs c says i suffered with postnatal anxiety with my first baby i now have generalized anxiety how can i help my mental health on a daily basis with a child Gosh, what a great question. And I'm sorry to hear that. You know, anxiety is, oh, it, it just 
can make your life so so difficult and then having a child on top of that of course can really exacerbate it the things that we know really help uh, anxiety states and depressive states actually and this is a side of the, the professional help that we can get for ourselves and we should get for ourselves would be firstly to make sure that wherever possible you are getting into I, I wouldn't I wouldn't use the term routine because that can feel too heavy that can feel like something another hoop we've got to jump through but a rhythm to our day just having some sort of rhythm maybe you know you always have a bit of morning time in the outside so you know we know that getting out in the daylight is very very good for mental health anxious states and depressive states so firstly get some rhythm into your life and put that around your child's needs as well so depending on the age of your child it may be that you get into that rhythm of getting up together having breakfast together doing the school run together or if it's a weekend having some chill out time on the I mean in front of the telly just get a rhythm going something that you can hang on to a little bit that gives a shape to your day. Make sure that you are getting out and getting that bit of activity. Again, I wouldn't use the word exercise because then we can get really bogged down with the idea that we have to do some regular exercise. It's another hoop to jump through, but some activity. And if possible, and this is brilliant for kids anyway, get out because we know that getting proper daylight on our eyes, um, it has an impact on a little gland called the pineal gland, uh, and that can help us to release those happy hormones, those uh, those sort of serotonin, the the dopamine that can really help us to feel more stable, more settled in the world. It's why we always feel a bit more relaxed uh, on holiday because we get outside and we're sort of looking at the sun, or even even on a cold holiday, you know, we're just getting outside a bit more. So get out, eat. We've just been talking about eating. This is not a good time to be trying to cut your calories. Eat healthily, eat well, and keep those complex carbohydrates going in because that will stabilize your blood sugar and that can help as well to damp down anxiety. And then avoid uh, cigarettes and alcohol because both of those can have a depressive effect and they can impact on anxiety states so uh, go for no uh, low alcohol or zero alcohol drinks if you want a sort of bit of a grown-up drink because we don't always want squash and cups of tea uh, but keep alcohol to a minimum and uh, cigarettes get help if you smoke get help to give up smoking or cutting down on smoking because those make anxiety worse and then try to get and this is difficult I know but it can be done as a mum of four I know it can be done try to get some regularity around your rest and again I'm not going to say sleep because if we say we've got to get so much sleep we're putting ourselves under enormous pressure but resting and we can rest in front of the tv I actually find going for a nice drive quite restful and I used to sometimes put the children in the back of the car I knew that they would have a quiet time at least they're not running around madly if they're in the back of the car uh, and then I would go for a nice drive and that would be sort of 
calming and restful. Ask somebody to help you if you've got somebody that you can turn to, to maybe have the children for a little while so that you can have some downtime, even if it is to go for a little swim or go for a little walk or just rest quietly or do a hobby. But try to get some rest time in and overnight, don't bellyache whether you are asleep or not. Just be pleased to know that your brain will give you enough rest. So sort of trust that your body will be okay. And then finally, of course, you need your professional help. You know, we wouldn't dream of telling a diabetic just to go for self-help. You know, we must, if we have problems with our mental health, make sure that we are getting our professionals to help us to take good care of ourselves. And if necessary, then with medications as well. That's really great. Um, Hattie says, why is postpartum anxiety not discussed as much as postpartum depression? Surely it's just as common. That's a really good question. Um, because um, from a medic's point of view, it's the same. Oh. So you can have depression and anxiety depression. Um, and uh, yeah, so when, when a doctor talks about depression, they are often lumping it together and it can come out as what we may think of as the classic depressive picture of not wanting to get out of bed, feeling so low, feeling hopeless and helpless, um, speaking slowly, feeling slow in the mood, um, feeling disconnected. But it, in some people, it can come out in an anxious state, being more manic, feeling on alert the whole time, feeling constantly that bubble of anxiety like you're about to sit an exam or something terrible is about to happen or that you're in a constant state of anxiety around the baby but from the doctor's point of view they're kind of lumped together into depressive illness okay. does that answer that question yeah I, I mean I didn't know that so that's that's good to know um we've got a pre-pregnancy question from Phoebe who said um I'm trying to fall pregnant at the moment it's not happening as quickly as me and my partner had hoped everyone tells me not to stress how on earth do you do that yes gosh that's just another stick that we get beaten with isn't it mm. gosh you know you've got to be trying to be relaxed to get pregnant and like you say how on earth are you supposed to do that when you're watching your calendar and trying to watch your cycle and taking your temperature and making sure that your partner is home on time and enthusiastic I mean goodness me it's too much uh, I would take that with a bit of a dose of salt uh, and just uh, accept that sometimes it takes a while you know a year is not at all uncommon uh, it's just that not everyone tells you that they've been trying for a year. They'll just tell you when they're pregnant. And then you think, goodness me, I didn't see that coming. Maybe they've only been trying for a day. But in actual fact, they may have been trying for a long, long time. So typically it does take longer than most women anticipate. Uh, and women do get very pregnant when they're very stressed. All over the world, women are getting pregnant in all sorts of incredibly stressed situations. I think the reason why it's often said is because adrenaline, we know, can have an impact on things. So it can have an impact on us going into labour, for in, in instance. And adrenaline, we need adrenaline in labour, but we need just the right amounts of adrenaline in labour, which is why midwives always say, don't come into hospital, don't come into hospital, don't come into hospital too early, because they know that pushing up the adrenaline too much can slow the labour down. So 
having adrenaline on our systems is good, but we don't want too much. But in truth, you have to have a heck of a lot of adrenaline and stress hormones to stop a fertile body getting pregnant. It's often just a matter of time and timing. And a lot of us are not actually very good at timing because we don't understand our we just don't understand our cycles very well. We, you know, we assume that we're ovulating when maybe we're not. And of course, our partner as well. You know, it's all on the women, isn't it? But our partner, our partner's health and well-being and fertility plays a role in it as well. And of course, if it really has been a very long time and you know you've got past that year or sooner, you know, if you're older and time is of the essence, then don't leave it too long. Go and talk to your doctor. Let them do the checks. Don't try and self-diagnose get in see a healthcare professional get them to check you over and see whether there is anything that needs help that will support you in getting pregnant yeah that's uh, i can very much relate to that that was me a couple of years ago i mean like i said in previous episodes um what helped for me was moving house and going on holiday and, and just getting drunk and having a really good time so maybe try that as well i don't know it's, it's quite a lot to do <laughs> in that but that seemed to be the only thing that worked for me that's the next thing amy is i I used to find when um well in my decades as a midwife and now in my current job with mums is that mums get pregnant in exactly the way that you describe of course and then of course the they've just got pregnant and then they worry about all those terrible things they were doing when they got pregnant And so begins a long lifetime of maternal guilt. Yeah, yeah. Just to reassure you and to listeners, Amy, um, in that first month when we've got pregnant and maybe, you know, we were paralytic <laughs> having one too, one too many sherbets, as we say around my way, having a whale of a time. Um, that in that first month when we're pregnant and we don't know we're pregnant, the little bundle of cells hasn't even sort of made it all the way along to implant in the womb and so isn't taking stuff from us it's almost like a separate entity and is quite protected oh well Rachel uh, that was absolutely brilliant I think I don't know about you Jenny but already you just talking through that especially the stuff about sleep and everything yeah Rachel that has been so helpful Amy's right the sleep thing I immediately feel better I think Um, What I've really taken away is to trust our bodies, listen to our bodies, not force them to do things that they're not going to do for us and not beat ourselves up for that. And I think that's so helpful to hear. Oh, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. That was um, that was absolutely invaluable. And uh, hopefully we'll see you at the baby show as well. Oh, you absolutely will. Yes, I'm going to be there on Friday after lunch. I think it's 2.45 and I'm going to be talking on the fourth trimester what they do don't tell you and we're going to be looking at yeah things like how babies really sleep not how google tells you babies sleep but how they really sleep and yeah just what it is like to be in the world with a newborn baby the reality and lots and lots of reassuring stuff that's amazing thank you rachel take care thank you thank you it's been absolutely lovely thank you very much for having me I do honestly feel calmer hearing that. I feel like every mm-hmm. single pregnant woman needs to hear that, especially about the sleep. That's a game changer. That's a game changer. That's got to be up there, number one, with the worries, hasn't it? Mm. So that that's so helpful. 
Amazing. Thank you, Rachel, for joining us. That was brilliant. Uh, you can find Rachel on her Instagram, which is, hold on, I've got it right here, Rachel Fitz D. Follow Rach for, uh, you know, any other tips or any other information. You can find her there. Uh, and while you're on Instagram, you can follow us as well. Two New Mums podcast. Um, Please do. We've been posting a bit more on there recently. We always love to hear from you. If you've got any questions, you can DM us on there. You can drop us an email to New Mums podcast at gmail.com as well. And also, thanks for your reviews on uh on um, app, what do you call it? What do you call the podcast app, Jenny? Baby Brain, Apple Podcast. Yeah, on there. <laughs> Thank you for your review. They're ever so nice, and they really help us as well. They like do. if you rate and review, especially five stars, oh, give us a five um, star, please. Really helps us get seen and reach out to other mums and parents. So, um, hello to H eighty six who said, "Yay, they're back! Emotional, but loved it. Great to have you, ladies, sharing your next chapter with an emoji of a baby bottle, which I didn't know existed. That's cute. Cute. That is nice." Um, Bump to pending. Thank you for saying love this podcast. It's so relatable and I love their honesty around fertility and pregnancy. Funny listen as well as heartfelt. Can't wait for the weekly episodes. Well, they are weekly. I think that must have been the first review actually from the um, first time. So thank you very much. That's exactly what we hope to achieve. Um, We hope this is helpful to you as it is to us. And we will continue with our journey and we'll, um, we'll see you next week, I guess. See you later. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.